Hey guys, this is Kyle Klammer. And this is Zach Welch. And this is The Good Life Bow Hunter, the official podcast of the NBA. We're back, man, a week removed from uh, the banquet. It's a good time. <laughs> a week removed, I know. Finally catching up on sleep and Yep, yep. Finally feeling back to normal, I guess, after a couple days of late nights and catching up with everybody, but Yeah. No, it was good. Yeah, I was just kind of reminiscing on it, sitting here thinking about it before I, I called you here or Zoomed you or whatever you call it. But it was just really nice to, you know, have a little bit of, uh, um, you know, I mean, not everybody was there that you like to see there, but just having a little bit of almost some resemblance of what normalcy used to be like, you know. So Yeah, exactly. Like you said, not everybody was there, but they had a good turnout. Yeah. Nice, nice to see people. I mean. Carney lifted their mask mandate, and some yep. people still warm, but it's nice to see some smiles without mask on and stuff, and Absolutely. talk to somebody without thinking you have to yell at them for them to hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think I heard over two hundred people at the banquet, so that was good. So. Yep, I think just over two hundred tickets were sold, and yep, I'm sure there were a handful of them that probably didn't have tickets that were there for the weekend. So yeah. No, and I was, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I know we didn't have a quote-unquote speaker, but I did enjoy that uh, guy from the Nebraska Sportsman's Foundation that got up and kind of talked about their role. And, um, you know, they're obviously a big proponent of, of uh, you know, hunting and fishing and trapping and outdoor things in the state. And so I guess just put a plug in for them if you guys don't follow on Facebook or if you're not a member or whatever or if you have any interest in that um they do a lot of good things for us especially i know the nba works pretty closely with them so that was uh good to see and kind of went through a bunch of bills and different things so they they did a great job and you know it's it's always our job not only as hunters and conservationists but i mean just in general i mean being educated about bills and stuff like that because we're not the ones who speak up, you know, or pretty soon before we know, you know, certain rights are going to get taken from us. It's, it's always good to be aware of that kind of stuff. So I thought that was a good time to have that and kind of educate everybody on. So. No, you're absolutely right, man. If we don't fight for it, nobody will. So, you know, we got to stay banded together and, you know, I mean, luckily, uh, um, you know, we live in a state that's pretty, um, I, I don't know, I guess I'm trying to think of the right word, pretty, uh, favorable, I guess, for, you know, hunting and fishing and all those yeah. things. Um, but you know, not all places are like that and, you know, you never want to be complacent and, and not, uh, you know, not be thinking about those things. Cause you just never know. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's like, it's all the stuff going on with the California bears this year and then, Mm-hmm. And of course, you got all the all the wolf issues and stuff oh, with the yeah. grizzlies. It's just like, man, got to be educated on that stuff. Know what's going on because if you don't, before you know it, I mean, it's can turn into a bad deal. So, yep, absolutely. Um, any updates, Zach? I know uh, you know there was quite a few things. I guess at the banquet, um, as far as NBA announcements, do you remember anything specifically that we needed to? bring up i was just trying to think you know i'm trying to think through the meeting of some of the stuff that came I think, up i guess one thing they did uh i don't i think i can mention on here i don't know if it matters um you know they had talked about if anybody has input on places that they'd like to have the banquet um i know that was one thing that they had kind of talked about if anybody has ideas um you know ramada's the ramada's been good to us over the years definitely um but I know they're, yeah, I don't know. It, it's always one of those things, you know, it's like, I don't know. It, it They brought it up and we talked about it, but I guess just put a plug in. If anybody has ideas or thoughts on that, that'd be uh, contact your, I guess your, whoever, um, contact Trent or um, I don't know, send us a message on Facebook. I don't know what's, what's, what are, who are some other people they could get a hold of Zach? Oh, Rick, Rick Thayden, I guess, or yeah, Rick, Rick Thayden, yeah, uh, yep. yeah, Trent Tobiasen, 
any or any of the board members get a hold of them. Um, like you said, I know they talked about it a lot this year. They're they're open to a lot of options. I mean, they're looking into some sev- several different places. Problem is, you know, there's not many places across the state that are like Carney. They're centrally located that we can have everything under one one roof and you know go on with the activities that we do. Um, the Murata has been very good to us about that. Um, yep. But like I said, they're open to options. If you have any suggestions, get it to them because they're looking to, I mean, wherever they can. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing uh, I know my dad brought it up just, you know, I think we'd like to keep it kind of centrally located as much as we possibly can. Cause I, you know, I remember he had mentioned that that was kind of one of the things that the NBA had been founded on way back in the day. And I, I, I mean, I, obviously I think that still holds true as just oh, trying yeah. to be, you know, trying to be centrally located so that, you know, all the members from all parts of the state have, have equal opportunity to come to the events and those types of things. So, um, that just, a, just a little plug there, I guess. But so anyways, um, was there any groundbreaking things? I know you went to the, I, I missed it, but the, uh, the wildlife meeting, um, I know Luke Maduna was there. Did you hear anything that was really, Oh, I think I did hear they were talking about maybe limiting out of state archery tags. Is that one thing that was brought up or maybe? Um, I'm not sure if, if he touched on that much. Um, yeah. He talked about how, you know, Nebraska, their, our out of state licenses did really, I mean, they exploded this past year, especially antelope. Yeah. He touched on the antelope a lot. A lot of the concern with that was how, how, pack the grasslands have got the past couple of years yeah um that was a big concern so they are i think they are looking into limiting that just because our over-the-counter antelope licenses for non-resident are i mean compared to a lot of other states are dang cheap yeah well yeah that and i mean you know they're i mean anybody can come from anywhere and buy a tag on the whole state with your bow basically you know yeah and you look at the amount of public ground that we have in our state for antelope compared to Wyoming, Montana, yep. South Dakota. I mean, it's, I mean, very small, <laughs> a very small percentage compared to what those States got. So that was a huge, yep. uh, one of the main topics he touched on anyways, for non-residents. Um, he talked about deer harvest numbers. Mm-hmm. They were about average. Yeah. Um, he, he talked about the telecheck a little bit this year with rifle hunters Mm-hmm. And numbers, I mean, were about normal. He said, yeah, there was some concern that some people probably didn't check their deer. Sure. Uh, but he said there's a lot of people who always do that, you know, who don't check sure. their deer, even if there is a, a check station. He said, if anything, there may be some more checked in. So they didn't, you know, he had those people that are 20, 30 miles from a check station, not wanting to drive in. Yep. So he talked about that, talked about mule deer numbers being down a little bit um turkey numbers down in some areas it, a lot of good information in that yeah in that meeting uh it was it was really good Luke's a really knowledgeable guy when it comes to that stuff and had a presentation with all kinds of excel sheets and that so yeah i know one thing my my dad was talking about uh that i just thought was interesting i don't know if you remember him touching on this sack but he was talking about uh um the uh back when they first started i think it was maybe the first year they had a rifle deer season was in halsey national forest i think yeah um and when they had uh um i can't remember what the deal was something about you know most or there was so many percentage of the bucks that were like five to seven years old or something yeah um and then basically after that we've you know pretty much never been able to match that again um and I can't remember what the, what his point was or something along the lines of, you know, or maybe some other States have looked at that too. And that have maybe later rifle seasons or something, you know, and um, it really didn't seem to make a whole lot of difference. Was that kind of the gist that you got? Or maybe I, I can't remember for sure. I, I don't want to speak out of that's, that's not a very good summary, but <laughs> well, no, no, you're, you're, you were spot on pretty much there. Uh, he talked about that first deer season they had at Halsey National Forest. He showed some pictures actually where the deer had gotten so hungry there. They were so overpopulated that they, they were eating the, the pine needles off of pine trees and hmm. 
essentially starving to death because they offer no nutritional value to him. Um, he, he talks about that. And I think even before that, they were, they were talking about deer numbers increasing. There was a newspaper article that said, though some other states have statewide deer seasons, Nebraska is never expected to have a population that would sustain a statewide deer season. And here we are, you know, and I mean, we had a statewide deer season. I forget even what the first year was that he said, but yeah. no, the, that first year that they had the rifle season in Halsey National Forest, I, I think almost half the deer harvested were in that five, six, and seven-year-old yeah. age class. And then the next year, like... Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, it wasn't another... The next, state. Year, the yep. next year, like 10%, if that yep. were... Yep, but, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, that was the point, I think, was just that, you know, and that was a late season. And so basically, I think just saying like, well, you know, even with a late, later rifle season or whatever, it didn't really seem to make that much difference. Those, yeah. Those big bucks were, you know, not still not getting to that, that point, or at least a very small percentage of them were, which. Right. Um, yeah. No, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Not part of the presentation. But. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, well, I know you, you mentioned turkeys. I guess that's what we're going to talk about this evening. So, um, you know, I turkey season's right around the corner, I think. What, two weeks, two couple, weeks from yeah, today. Two weeks, two weeks from today, yeah. So I'll get this podcast loaded up in the next few days here. and. Um, but yeah, man, I just, I kind of had a few things written down. Um, I don't know. I, where, do you have anything burning in your mind that you wanted to start with or? Yeah, we could start wherever and, and go. I could talk about turkeys. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oops, that was, sorry, that was my phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking, you know, I, one thing I did want to touch on is, you know, I know, Zach, I know you guys, um, especially you know, you really hit on the early season turkeys. Um, you know, you want to talk about maybe just like strategies for, you know, how you guys go about that. And, um, cause I mean, obviously you're very successful with that. And so, um, and you know, I, I, I haven't done as much of the early kind of the earlier season, I guess. And I don't know, I'm just going to let you run with that. To just, just talk about that a little bit. So. Yeah. The early season is definitely interesting. It's one of those things that it's either, seems like it's either, you know, red hot or, I mean, just ice cold. It's hit or miss. Um, the biggest thing is what I find is those turkeys are so bunched up that first, especially that first week of the season. Um, a lot of the times you still got snow on the ground, still, you know, 40 degrees out, you know, birds aren't really fired up yet, not really wanting to call. Um, we actually, we have really good luck in the first part of the season, especially we're able to hunt at our cabin. We have food plots around, so it keeps the birds around all winter. They'll feed on that rye. Um, a lot of times in the early season, you know, you'll see those big groups of Jakes and Toms just hanging together, still in their winter, still in their winter flocks. Um, we really, to be honest with you, we don't do a whole lot of calling um, early on in the season unless some days you get those you know, first few days of season, if you get a 60, 70 degree day, obviously those birds are going to gobble their heads off just because it's warm out and might do a little more calling then. But, uh, I mean, it, it varies, but for the most part, those birds are bunched up early on. And what we like to do is just hunt close to our food plots because those birds are going to go there every day. Um, they're still in their winter flocks. Set out a couple decoys, um, at the, on one of the field edges and, birds if they see them they they might come to them we've seen where they have absolutely no interest in in decoys and they'll feed a hundred yards from them and and uh act like nothing one thing early on is you do get some of those birds that are starting to get fired up and you have a couple decoys out um and you have a big flock of jakes and toms come by seems like if you can pull one or two of those jakes away all of a sudden those toms will start changing their mood and they'll come um, it's all about just, or even like a boss hen. Um, that's another thing about the early season. The hens are doing most of the, most of the vocalization and not the toms at that point in the season. If you can make one of them mad, getting a yelping match with them, that that's really effective. I've, I've seen early on in the season. I remember 
last year you'd hear birds yelping everywhere very little goblin yet um you'd get one of those old raspy hens yelping and cut her off with a few yelps all of a sudden here come the whole flock on a string to you it's like sometimes that's better than a tom goblin if you get one of those old raspy hens cackling up cackling back in the trees and pull her out of there by cutting her off with some calls but but no um yeah early on i really love to hunt the field edges find the big flocks it it can be slow though um if you if you don't have food around and you don't have you don't know where the birds have wintered it it can be pretty rough that first part of the season and honestly if we didn't have food plots and all that i don't know that i would hunt till mid-april when they start to break up and call but i'd say as far as the early season goes it's all about finding those winter flocks and where they're feeding at and uh putting yourself in the game um i guess one thing i would say if you're gonna set up where they're feeding on a field edge or something or you find out where they're hanging out during the day in those big flocks is don't set up too close to the roost and that goes for any part of the season that's one of the biggest mistakes i think guys make is finding where their birds are hanging out they find a big flock but they set up 30 yards from the roost and when the birds fly down they take off running 60 miles an hour and they never see them again um <laughs> That's that's uh, one of the biggest mistakes you can make on turkeys is setting right up under the roost, and you know it's it, not to say it can't work, but I think about ninety-five percent of the time that's not going to work out in your favor. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you figure, you know, you've got a a ten, you know, well, twenty-degree area that theoretically that bird needs to fly down in order for you to have a chance at him, and so you got. 340 degrees that they could fly down in a different direction and not you know not come close to you but yeah and they see not only that they see you setting up the blind or noisy getting in there you're better off setting up a few hundred yards from the roost where they can't see you probably can't hear you um it's just part of it i mean yeah absolutely yeah no i i know uh, i mean are you doing do you do any uh I mean, I'm sure you're doing some scouting, like just kind of observing where the big flocks are. I mean, do you have any, I mean, do you use any trail cams to kind of monitor where they are or anything along those lines or just kind of, kind of. We do once in a while. Um, like when I go home this week for spring break, I'll oftentimes just go drive around to regular spots and see if there's birds there. Um, you can almost expect, I mean, we're fortunate enough to own land, uh, we we know that what birds have wintered there, but as far as other spots we hunt, the birds may or may not winter there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go walk around on the road. Um, some of those green those patches of grass that are just starting to turn green that time of year, um, those birds love to hang around on that. I'll go look for tracks and that stuff. Basically, anytime I drive into somewhere, I'm looking just on the road, you know, going by trees and stuff because the birds will walk right along the road it's easy for them um just looking for tracks um i'll go in there even in the evening sometimes and get up on a hill and see if i can see where they're roosting at Mm -hmm. scan the tree lines if it's not a very big piece um and not to say they i mean early on it all depends on the weather um they might be gobbling their head off by then you might drive into somewhere and hear you know one two hundred gobbles a night you know exactly where they're at Mm-hmm. sometimes i'll just drive in there um whether it's in the morning or typically it's in the evening if i'm just scouting i'll i'll listen if there's goblin if they fly up in the trees and stuff and locate where they're at um as far as trail cameras go we have trail cameras on our field edges that we just leave up from deer season just mm-hmm. throw the batteries in them and again and another card and leave it up for a couple of weeks and see what's strolling through there but yeah that's it's what I like to do anyways to try to find birds. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's great information. I, I was just thinking when you're, you know, we're, it's always interesting to me, you know, I, I, I feel like uh, just observation, you know, from my 31 years of life, I guess, but <laughs> it seems like, uh, you know, they, it's you know right about this time of year it's like all of a sudden just like 
boom, there's turkeys, you know, it's like, it's like, you never see them, they never see them. And then all of a sudden they're just there. It's like, God, where, you know, where were they? It's just, I mean, they're obviously around. It's just, just, I mean, they're much more visible this time of year. And I mean, oh yeah, you start starting to look for them. That's what it is. Well, yeah, that could be too. Maybe, maybe that's part of it, but you know, I think some of it too is, I mean, I think, you know, obviously those toms are out there displaying, trying to, um, you know, get ready for, for what's to come, but. Oh yeah. Know, just, a couple of those warm days, they'll start strutting around. Yeah. Yeah. Starting to get in the mood. Definitely. Um, yeah, man. What about, uh, you know, mid to mid to late season? I mean, usually you don't get there cause most of the time you're already filled out by, you know, April 1st, but no. <laughs> like you said, we like to hit it hard early, but I'll yeah. tell you what, that, that mid-April time, late April, that is my absolute favorite yeah. on turkey hunt to do. That's when you start to get those groups of one and two toms and, mm-hmm. and several hens or a group of jakes where the toms have kicked them out and the birds are really, really broke up. And that's when we call it run and gun. That's my favorite style of hunting. I mean, we'll go out just in, I mean, landowners around the sand hills you know how they are with turkeys all of them want them gone they're just a yes. pest to them it's uh we'll seriously just go out in the sand hills and we got several spots we can hunt it's like you'll find a group of birds here a group of birds there or you'll go after a group of birds and find out there's another group living there yep. um but like well, like i said all those flocks are split up at that time and that's when we really get aggressive with calling and decoys and mm-hmm. and it's just such fast paced hunting that's like it's uh, i'm trying to, to describe it our buddy that came from montana says it's almost like elk hunting yeah. which i haven't done elk hunting in the mountains but it's like he said it's similar to that but it's on a turkey you know it's like mm-hmm. you set up and call and they're goblin and it's like you get a hot bird then i've seen where we'll set up on a bird we spot one circle around get set up on him and he's in the decoy within five ten minutes i mean it's if you catch him in the right mood that time of year that's the time you can really kill him especially you know one of those big boss toms with eight or nine hens who thinks he's the only male bird in the place and all of a sudden he he hears a hen and sees the jake decoy and it's game on i mean he's gonna be in your lap in the blink of an eye yep um but no as far as that time of year goes um I really like to we use a Jake and a hen decoy, single Jake and hen. Sometimes we may use two hens. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the the feeding hen and the half strut Jake. We use the DSDs. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as that time of year goes, um, not always hunting the field edge is going to be your best bet. It, I mean, it might be where they're hanging. Like I said, that time of year is pretty much run and gun. Spot the bird, circle around. Uh, get in a spot where you think he's going or to where he can hear you calling um, get out in the open to where he's going to see your decoy but don't set up I mean if you're in plain sight of him because he's going to pick you off that's obvious but mm-hmm. but uh no that's that's when it you know early season you might sit there in the blind if you're hunting field edges you might sit there six seven hours a day and not see anything whereas in the middle of the season you're going to the birds you're finding them and it's just fast pace i mean yeah. if you find the birds you're making the game plan you're making stuff happen quick you're running get in position and set up and call on them um also if you can find out where they're roosting that time of year um if you can find a big tom or a few toms in a group with a bunch of hens if you can set up fairly close to the roost like i said out of sight where they aren't going to hear you and you start calling right away get them fired up in the roost get them gobbling, get the hens yelping. If, if there's no goblin, they're probably going to come to you. That's uh, that's when birds are really vulnerable. They start to, I always say turkeys are the smartest dumb bird. That, that <laughs> exists. No. Uh, they can outsmart you, but uh, when they, when they get fired up and get aggressive, they can get pretty stupid. Um, I guess one thing I'll say that kind of, applies to that smartest dumb bird on the planet if you set up near a woven wire fence don't expect him to come through that you could call him into 10 yards and he will not come through that woven wire they can't figure out how to get through yep Um, so stay if 
if you do find birds, try to set up on the same side of the fence as them. Yeah. I've seen them walk up and down fence lines and can't figure out how to get through the thing. So uh, <laughs> always keep that in mind when you're setting up on turkeys, especially when you get in those little groves and there's a lot of junk around and stuff. But, yep. No, yeah, for sure, man. That that's that's definitely my favorite time too. Just pretty much the whole month of April. I mean, that's just Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah especially towards, you know, middle to the end. I mean, that's that's just, I've always I think I've just I've always had my best hunts just right in that time frame. Sometime in May too. I mean, I've definitely had some really good hunts in May. Um, you know, it's a lot like in mid mid to late April. I mean they're you know, more of the hens are leaving, you know, they're starting to, to nest. And, um, so, you know, you do get, um, you know, smaller groups of birds and sometimes, you know, single toms, uh, at that point, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you'd still see some, some groups of toms with some hens, but you know, a lot of it ends up being just like some, you know, sing, a single tom with a couple hens or whatever, you know, um, at least where I, where I, typically hunt or have hunted um but yeah you know i was you know you're talking about spotting birds and stuff and, and kind of running gunning and um i was thinking as i was making notes for this tonight just we're going to talk about you know i was I think about all the different places that i've that i've hunted turkeys um and just kind of all of their unique challenges that they sort of possess i mean you know obviously back home you know for us we're obviously both from Ainsworth and um you know around there it's yeah i mean if you're out in the sand hills that's you know you're kind of running gunning looking for birds i mean if you're down you know by your cabin and on you know you're that's probably you know more calling listening for birds the same with our place i mean you know you're you're usually usually i would say most of the time you don't see the bird before you I mean, you, you know, if you hear a gobble, you know, it's like, oh, and try to get set up on them, yeah. you know, call them in or whatever. But, you know, and then I was thinking about, you know, when I was in college and, you know, I used to hunt out in the Pine Ridge all the time, um, which was really cool. Cause I mean, a lot of times there, I mean, that was, that was a lot like, uh, you know, in the sand hills where, I mean, you know, that, that country is so open in certain spots that, I mean, you, you could watch. <laughs> I mean, you might watch a bird come in from, you know, three, 400 yards away, you know, and just kind of pick his way and keep, keep coming. And, um, so I don't know, that was always, that was always fun. Um, and that's just beautiful country to hunt turkeys in. I mean, that's just the classic, classic turkey hunt out there just with. Oh yeah. You get those ones out there too. Those pure Merriams that have the real yeah. white tails out there where, yeah. Back home in the sand hills, you get the kind of mixed bag. It's a blend of yeah. who knows what species. Yeah, got. <laughs> a little bit of Merriam's, a little bit of uh, Eastern, probably a little bit of Rio's. Hard to yeah. know. Yeah, who knows? Them birds, they, uh, you get some of them with real dark tails and some of them that are all mixed yep. up. But Yep. Yep. No, and then I was, you know, I was thinking about, you know, when I, then when I went to med school and, um, you know, I didn't, didn't hunt turkeys a lot during med school, just, you know, because it just is what it is. It's, you're so busy. I mean, if I did go hunt, I'd hunt, hunt back home for a weekend or something, you know. And <clears throat> But uh, but then when I kind of got into residency and stuff, there was, had a little spot um, that was right close there to my house in Bellevue and um, just a little piece of public ground that, man, we just had some just some great turkey hunts on that place. Um, and that was just like a whole other thing. I mean, you know, that was river bottom. I mean, you're pretty much right by the Missouri river. Um, well, I mean, we're right by the Missouri river and, um, you know, thick cover, lots of trees. I mean, you know, birds gobbling all over the place, but I mean, you hardly ever saw them until they were in your lap, you know, I mean, it was just like, like oh geez they're right there you know <laughs> but so that was just a whole other thing from you know and then and then you know I've hunted down here too in the southwest part of the state now and done quite a bit of hunting down in here and it's a whole different thing too man it's just you know I mean they're all turkeys and they all act like turkeys but they're just different country and the birds just act a little bit different and you kind of have to just have some 
different strategies and, you know, I mean, but just for instance, like, you know, I mean, you know, obviously back home, I, you know, use a blind. Most times I go, or, you know, when I used to go hunting college, I'd try to use a blind, but that place I hunted by Omaha, I mean, I, I didn't, I never had a blind. <laughs> I just, cause there was so far back in there. I mean, it was like a mile walk from the parking lot just to get back into the place. And, and, uh, you know, there was just, there was, there was no way. I mean, I, for me personally, I was just like, there's no way I'm going to carry my bow and my pack and my decoys and a blind and a chair, you know, I just, so I just took the decoys and stuff. And actually, I mean, I think I killed like five birds out there or something with my bow. I mean, just sitting on the ground, like oh, yeah. <laughs> tucking back uh, against the tree. I mean, it, it works. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, there was, we had one tree we called the killing tree that I think I killed three birds under that same tree, but <laughs> it's kind of an old hollowed out dead tree and you could kind of sit back in it a little bit almost. And so you were pretty well, pretty well hidden. It was kind of like a blind, I guess, but you know, sort of a makeshift blind, but, but uh, you know, one thing that brings up a good point too is, you know, you mentioned decoys and um, you know, I think we, I, I was looking, I was trying to remember we, we'd done one of these, last right before last turkey season um and uh done a podcast i mean but um and i think we did hit on this but i I think it's worth noting again is you know i think decoys just make a big difference man um you know i remember when i first started hunting i mean we'd have those little you know foam blow and not not even blow up you know they were just like the i remember what the brand was flambo or something little yeah you know like foldable you know sort of pop-up decoys and i mean and they did work sometimes i mean they they did but um but man the decoys they have now are just like oh they're incredible it's like a whole other game i mean it's like you see them from a ways away out of the binoculars and if you don't know they're there you think they're real birds or not even that sometimes you'll look up out the window and not be paying attention you see one of your decoys like holy cow that thing looks super realistic but no you're spot on with the decoy thing you know the the old foam ones, they, they, I should say they used to work. Um, <laughs> turkeys have the, some of the best eyesight of about any critter. And, and uh, I mean, they're really picky about decoys. I've seen them shy from a lot of decoys yeah. before. Um, we used to use the ones we just had like a, like a foam decoy, but then we'd turk, we'd cape one out every year and then put borax on a dry out and then we would mount it to the decoy and those those worked well especially if you got wind it would kind of make the feathers ruffle and they really like that but to a certain extent those they had their downside but those dsds that we use i think you use the same ones don't you i i use the avian x the avian, okay i was gonna say those in the avian x yep. those are about the best ones they make they just look very realistic um so if if you are going to use decoys, investing in a good set is absolutely critical for yeah. for turkeys. And I, I know they can be spendy, but that's going to make or break you a lot of times on, on birds. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think it just, you know, when I used to sit on the ground, you know, I mean, sometimes I'd be in the wide open and it was like I wasn't even there, you know. I mean, well, for instance, I mean, just last year I I was sitting out at our place and I was actually about ready to be done for the day and hadn't even heard a gobble. And all of a sudden I hear a gobble, like as I'm walking back to the house practically. And so I run into this little shelter belt and, you know, just pretty much set up the hen. It was kind of later in the year. So I just set up the hen decoy about 10 yards away from me and literally just sat with my back against a tree. Um, you know, I'm, pretty much in the wide open I got my bow you know and and uh I end up calling that bird in and he comes through the trees and I'm not kidding you that bird was like four yards away from me like I mean and 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 but he was so keyed in I mean it was like he kind of came through the cedars and he saw I think he kind of maybe saw me but then it was like he saw that hen and it was just like oh well she's cool that must be fine you know he just like walked right over to her to it and shot and, I know pulled back when he went behind a tree and shot him and I mean just yeah but I was like oh man you know as soon as I saw him because I couldn't really see him until he got through those the cedars and and when I saw him like I said he was like I mean 
like four or five yards away and I'm just like, Oh no, like this is never, this is, I know how this ends. I've seen this story before. Like this is not going to work, but, but yeah, I think that, you know, that a good decoy man makes, makes all the difference. He just keyed in on that and didn't pay any attention to me. I mean, I've definitely had him not do that, but, but you know, when it works, it, it works. Oh yeah, definitely. They, uh, they commit to them. I mean, it's game over. They see those decoys. Um, they get there. They might hold up at 30, 40 yards inside. They see something they don't like, and that's the difference between a high-quality decoy and low-quality decoy. And yeah. The difference between you killing that bird and not. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Um, I think I was going to touch on uh, – as far as calling, Zach, you know, we've been talking about calling. I mean, what do you, what do you guys like to run or what do you run? I mean, you, do you run, you like to run a diaphragm or are you running, uh, you know, slate calls or box calls or what do you, what's uh, what you put in your artillery, I guess? Or, we do a little bit of a mixture. We use mostly diaphragms. Mm-hmm. Um, if we get a really windy day, we'll use a box call just because you can make a lot louder yelps with that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So if I if I'm calling the birds a long ways away, or if it's really windy out, I'll break out the box call. Um, diaphragm, we use that a lot. I use slate quite a bit just because I'm pretty comfortable with the slate. Mm-hmm. Um, the diaphragm, I would say, is diaphragm is definitely the hardest call to do. Um, so I guess if you are going to do diaphragm, make sure it sounds really good. Um, yeah, practice. Practice, practice a lot yeah yeah there's a lot of and as far as specific diaphragms out there there's a lot of good ones out there yeah. i mean you really can't go wrong with any of them um just as long as it's not some dollar fifty one you picked up from walmart <laughs> or something yeah no for sure i i for a long time i ran those uh um Gosh, what are they called? They got a picture of like a wasp or something on them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, oh yeah, I think I know. Uh, the name's escaping me, but anyways, but those are great calls, um, and they're really not that expensive. I mean, I think a three packs like twenty bucks or something. Oh yeah. Um, and then recently, I I got I've been using more using some of the Phelps calls. Those are good turkey calls, but there, there's a lot of good calls. I mean, they're, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like, I used to, you know, I used to run the, the slate almost exclusively. I had, I had a couple or I had one that I really liked. Um, it was, it was called old yeller or old yeller. I think it was called, I think I got it at Walmart or something actually, but man, that thing was a great call though. Um, but I, I, I lost it when, when college when I was hunting in the Pine Ridge one day, I, I think I must have set it down and I just never picked it up. But anyways, but then I, and I found some others that I liked, but I've never been able, I haven't found one that I really liked as much as that one. But, um, but I mean, you know, mostly just use diaphragms now. And, you know, they, like I said, like you said, they make, I mean, they make a lot of good, good diaphragm calls. And yeah, I would just say, like I mentioned, just the main thing is just make sure you practice, 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 practice. Cause you know, annoy your, your significant other or whatever, call in the house or what, yeah. <laughs> or call when you're in the car or whatever, you know, do however you want to do it. But it's, um, definitely you got to practice cause you don't want to be out there making, making weird noises. And then that's certainly not going to call a turkey in, but <laughs> I agree got in the blind with a few people before where the calling wasn't the best and I've been that guy before and uh, yeah. it's not it uh doesn't work out too well for you yeah. you don't sound like a turkey yeah why don't you just let me do the calling or yeah. <laughs> that's always one of those things like how do you politely tell somebody maybe I should just do the calling you know I don't know but I agree you know that and I guess another thing about calling is calling too much Yep. A lot of guys just get in the blind, just yelp nonstop. And if if you're doing that, it's not going to, it's not going to play out well for you. Um, Just don't over call. I mean, go off what the turkey's doing. If he's responding every time, I mean, maybe, 
I mean, hit him back three, four times in a row as long as he's responding, then leave him. Just don't say anything for a bit. Yep. It's going to make him curious. You want that bird curious. Yep. Um, if you're constantly just calling at him, they're, you know, I mean, I, I've very rarely seen that work. In fact, I, I don't know that I ever have. Um, I mean, leave them hanging for a bit and they'll get curious. And yep. oftentimes the next time you hear them gobble, they're going to be closer. No, that's that's a great point. You know, I I, I remember uh, you know I listened to a podcast a while back. I don't even remember what it was, but and they brought up a great point of uh, you know talking about calling and not calling too much. But um, the one thing they mentioned that I just thought was really interesting, and you know maybe I hadn't really thought about it in this way, but you know when when we're out when we're out hunting turkeys, I mean we're really trying to almost do it backwards. Um, because, you know, in the, in the natural world, so to speak, like, you know, that Tom is gobbling, you know, and, and, and he is expecting the hen is going to come to him, you know, because he's, he's gobbling, the hen's calling, and so he's out there displaying, and he's expecting the hen to come to him. And so, you know, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, if you're, you're calling, and he's gobbling, you're calling, he's gobbling, calling, he's gobbling, and then you shut up, and then he's like, well, what the hell? Like... <laughs> yeah where'd she go like she thought she was coming to see me you know and then and then exactly right then they get curious and then all of a sudden they're 10 yards from you you know so but anyways i I thought that was interesting because you know they just talked about how you know we're like i said we're really we're sort of i mean it obviously works but we're kind of going against the grain i guess of 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 what sort of happens i guess just naturally or i mean i'm sure there's exceptions to that obviously but, yeah but, but no that's spot on i mean leave them hanging and they're gonna get curious and come come check you out definitely oftentimes definitely um yeah man what else did i have here um i don't know that kind of hits on most things i guess you know the one thing i would say is um, you know, with, as far as, um, you know, just making sure your shot placement is good on birds and really study pictures and study different, uh, um, diagrams, you know, a turkey standing up versus a turkey in full strut versus a turkey walking away from you versus a turkey head on or what, you know, cause everything changes, you know, in their, um, depending on their position. And I mean, you can make what you think is a great shot and, you know, turns out to be feathers, you know, pretty much uh, just depending on how they're, how they're positioned. So I think that's, that's one really important thing is, especially obviously with bowhunt. I mean, unless you just hit him in the head and then yeah. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. But, um, but if your body's shooting or, you know, aiming for the vitals, then that's definitely something to, um, something to keep in mind because those birds are tough man they they, they, are. Just, they don't just lay down for you you know <laughs> well i agree and turkeys as far as shot placement goes they're about one of the toughest critters i think yeah i agree you, man you uh you ever pluck a turkey and see how small they really are yeah and how big they look uh with all their feathers on especially in full strut the thing thing can look like it's a, a calf coming at you or something and yeah take all his feathers off and it's a glorified chicken yeah Um, you're talking about trying to hit something i mean essentially their vitals what what's going to kill them you're essentially looking at an area maybe the size of a softball Mm -hmm. um it's it's uh what what you're wanting to hit and of course you know you can hit an artery or whatever just like with any animal but really your target's not that big on them uh, compared to how big they look um realistically trying to hit them in the head you're essentially trying to hit the same size spot it's just that the dang things don't hold still for a split second to hit them in the head that's true yeah those heads don't hold still for very long no it is it is fun head shooting them i'll I'll say that that's about the quickest way to kill them um but no you like you said study your diagrams look at pictures of turkeys that color spectrum right about an inch in front of that and the upper third of it is typically, you know, what I say on, on a broadside bird. And of course, everything changes when they go in the strut, if they're facing away from you. If they're 
facing on. Just look at pictures of turkeys and where to aim. Um, uh, Got to be a dang good shot on them. Like they're they're super tough critters. Yeah. Even when you do I, always, I always try to envision a like a strutting bird. I'm always thinking almost like you split the bird in half vertically and then split the bird in half horizontally. And then it's like just above that horizontal line almost yep. is where you want to hit. Um, and then, you know, I mean, kind of, it's, all, it's sort of similarly for them, you know, if they're, if they're not in strut, but that's why I seem to work pretty well, I guess. But, but, you know, definitely had to not work out sometimes too. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. Just one of those things, I guess, turkeys. But, uh, yeah, man. Well, anything else on that, I guess? It's, like we touched on quite a bit of stuff. I think we uh, touched on quite a bit of it. I guess there's a hundred different ways you can cook a turkey, and they're all good, I'd say. Yeah, man, that's, that's a great point. We should, yeah, talk about that. What's, what's your, what's your go-to? You know, it used to be, oh, man, that's tough. I, I still love fried turkey, just deep-fried battered turkey. That's one of my favorite meals. But last year, mm. I dare say the, the new recipe we tried kind of might rival it. Rival it. We, uh, I might have two favorites. So what we did, I, you, did you did the recipe, too. I did. I did one of my birds that way, too, yeah. So I, I, I might mess up the ratio on this, so you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong. But a bird... We were typically thinking eight to 10 pounds of meat off a bird, two yep. legs, breast, the legs obviously boned out, yep. two breasts. And uh, what we would do is we'd just mix all that meat together, grind it. Uh, so you got all your grind in a bowl, eight to 10 pounds of turkey meat, uh, light and dark meat together. And we'd just, just mix that up. You got your turkey grind. And some of it we just left like that, just plain turkey burger, mm -hmm. which was excellent. And then the other stuff we mixed in, was it a, a pound of bacon for every yeah just a yeah package of bacon or, yeah you know, a package of bacon. right around a pound yeah yeah right around a pound of bacon we would throw that through the grinder and then just mix all of it up and man i'll tell you what yeah. those turkey burgers are oh, phenomenal they're e really e even the plain ones i mean the, yeah. the bacon ones are excellent the, the good, uh, plain ones are even awesome um no, man, I, I completely agree, man. That is a, I mean, that, that, that was phenomenal. You, t you told me about that and I did that with that last bird that I killed. And I mean, it didn't last very long. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it, <laughs> like, it wasn't, it wasn't in the freezer for very long. I mean, no, it, it's so. very good stuff. Um, I think our, our buddy we had out from Colorado told us that recipe. I was like, man, we're, we're wasting a turkey by doing this. We're not, it's not going to be good. I, you know, the frying, it's the best way. And, yep. uh, so we killed enough birds. We, we decided to try it with one of them and man, I'm glad we did. Cause yep. after that, we, we turned my sister's into most of hers into burger. We turned ours into burger and it's just, just super simple, easy cleanup, good eating. So, yeah, no, for sure, man. That's uh that's a great recipe. You know, one thing I would say, you know, I, it, it just makes me very disgusted and sad. It's, you know, I know some guys, you know, I, I would like to think most people listening don't, you know, are saving the whole bird and using everything from it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I know some, some people just, you know, maybe keep the breasts or whatever and, you know, and, and, you know, whatever, I guess, but, um, because maybe they don't know what to do with the legs or whatever. And that's a great way to use everything. Um, and then the, the only other thing I would say too is, uh, you know, the fried turkey, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's, it's just phenomenal. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that ever. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, one thing that I have done, um, you know, um, in the past, cause you know, I was always, you're always kind of, you know, obviously the, you know, the legs, the thighs and the legs are much, a much different animal than the, um, than the, uh, the breasts, you know, I mean, it's just totally different meat. Um, and so in the, and you know, wild turkeys tend to be very, um, 
especially the, the lower portion of their legs, a lot of tendons in there, typically pretty chewy, pretty tough. But um, what I've done, you know, in the past, and um, I just did it last year, I think is, I mean, just put those legs and the thighs in a crock pot. And I think I actually made some soup one time with it, but man, you put that, you put that meat, those legs in a crock pot and let that cook for, you know, eight to 10 hours. I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, in that, those, those tendons, you can just like pick them out. I mean, they're, they just like, I mean, oh, I know. exactly. Yeah. You can like pick up the leg and just like pull the tendon out. Like it was yep. a string or something and the meat yep. just falls off. It's yep. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess just as a, as a side or, you know, if anybody's wondering what the hell do I do with these, with these legs and thighs, but, um, yeah. you can, uh, it can, can taste a lot like roast beef if you do it right. Mm-hmm. And so if you're throwing out the legs, you're making a big mistake. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. That's, that's, it's all good, man. That's some good stuff. It was getting me all jacked. Just thinking about it. Ready for, yeah. ready for turkey hunting. So <laughs> these past couple of days that have been warm has really got me in the mood. Oh man, today felt like the perfect turkey hunting day. It's like it 50 did. degrees, no wind. I mean, no wind. sun was shining. Oh, man. Awesome. It's just like the type of day you just dream about hoping that you'll, that you'll have. But anyways, but well, I think, uh, pretty well touches on everything. I was just trying to think if there was anything else. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Went through kind of tactics and stuff, early, mid, late, talked about calling decoys. Um, yeah, man, that's, I think we hit on pretty much everything I had. So any final thoughts or anything? I don't think so. I think two weeks from today, I'm going to be ready to hunt. Me too, man. Looking forward to it. I don't know. I think I'm on call that first week of the season, but oh well, is what it is. Yeah. There's a lot of season. Absolutely, yeah. We're pretty fortunate in that regard. Yeah, we are. I think so. we're one of the earliest to open, one of the last to close. Yep. Definitely. All right, well. Good stuff, man. I guess uh, you don't got anything else. Um, I guess this is this is Kyle Klammer. This is Zach Welch. And this is Good Life Bow Hunter, official podcast of the NBA. Thanks, guys. Good luck turkey hunting.